0: to the Mother Loving Future Show, hosted by Amber Strange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health, and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown,
1: because this week's episode starts in...
0: Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the Mother Loving Future Show, a Mother's Day special. We are your hosts, Amber Strange and Jenna Penrose. There she is. And in honor of all mothers everywhere, we are getting real about our trials and triumphs in motherhood. Because you know it ain't all roses, ladies. So it's an amazing roller coaster of everything, all of the feels. More on this incredible topic later. But for now, we are really excited to discuss this week's sponsor, Beauty Counter.
1: Beauty Counter has partnered with the mother loving future to help you support us by buying the best cruelty free organic makeup around
0: as you can tell, we're really excited about this. So for now, go to the shop tab at motherlovingfuture.com and click on the beauty counter link to buy your high vibe makeup while supporting this podcast. We appreciate you. Hi, so um, we love Beauty Counter
1: and we just really do want to encourage you guys to go to our shop tab, click on the Beauty Counter, get your makeup there because I know a lot of podcasts out there are asking for support in different ways and we just really wanted to offer something back to you for supporting us and this is a great way for you to get the best
0: makeup. Um, so please go and do that. Emphasize they're legitimately incredible. They have made sure every single item on there is zero toxin. And
1: what's so crazy about that is that
0: it feels and comes on your face like real, like Chanel makeup or something like that. And it's so beautifully packaged as well. It's gorgeous. I use a concealer every single day. We use it. It's real.
1: Um, Okay. So to get back into today's topic, the troubles and triumphs of motherhood, I'm going to kick you off with a little definition. Um, So motherhood is never what you expected. Like a warrior in a battle, motherhood presents some of the greatest trials and triumphs of our lifetimes.
0: Ain't that the truth? It ain't. (laughs) It ain't. I know, it is actually. (laughs) Wow. So Jenna, why do you think it's important for all mothers to take a moment to acknowledge their troubles and triumphs in motherhood? Well, I would say that
1: maybe taking a moment to acknowledge is important in motherhood because it just goes so fast. It's like you're always kind of in the moment, in a sense, like scrambling to just, you know, make it happen, get through the day. So to actually give yourself that space of reflection to like take that time, it it's kind of gives you validation of like what an amazing journey that you're on.
0: Mm-hmm. I also believe that we very easily, and not just around motherhood, but around relationships, career, health, et cetera, we tend to fall into stories and habits, like habitual ways of thinking and perspectives on that particular area of our life. And so I think it's really important to just take a beat, acknowledge that we live in a world of duality, of positive and negative aspects. And when we do that, at least when I do that, it kind of kills the story. It kind of allows a fresh slate for me to go, oh, okay, sure. It's hard sometimes, but it's also my life's greatest blessing in so many ways. And I don't have to stick to any type of story every day. It's a bit different and it's everything. It's a great point. Great. So I also wanted to start this podcast with a little acknowledgement because I think that acknowledgements open the heart and allow for a deeper sense of self-appreciation. So Jenna, why don't you and I start by acknowledging each other for one thing we admire about how the other parents? Amazing. So one thing that I admire about how you parent
1: is just how you have so fully um, kind of departed from your lineage in a way of like how maybe parent people have been parented previous to this generation. And you are so mindful and so conscious of breaking those negative patterns and um, just making motherhood what you want it to be fun, sexy, like exciting,
0: um, adventurous. So I really respect that. Thank you, Jenna. (laughs) Oh, it's so interesting, like getting an acknowledgement and just allowing yourself to receive. So working on that. Thank you. Receiving (laughs) it. Jenna, I would love to acknowledge you for being such a, Empathetic mother. Every time I see you with your kids, you're down on their level, and your face and body language and voice and everything is showing them that sense of compassion and empathy. And just last weekend, I was at a Rye Parents Conference, and the absolute cornerstone of getting them from the red zone to the green zone, to where we can start to process positive, um, intentional brain neuro pathways, is to get them to feel like they've been heard and like they've been seen. And you are really good at exercising that empathy and compassion. And I think that's the gateway for so much healing and so much progress in general in parenthood. So thank you. Good on you. Thank you. You really, you really stand for that. I look at you and I'm like, oh, I've got to be, and you know that you're in your heart when you empathize and you're compassionate like that. And that's how they want to be seen. So well done. Aw, thanks. Unfortunately or fortunately, empathy is sort of like a not a not a choice for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, it is, right? Yeah, sometimes. Most of the time. Yeah. And anyone who's listening to this podcast, I really encourage you to choose someone who is close to you today or someone who's not close to you today and take the time out to acknowledge them for something around motherhood. Or it doesn't even necessarily have to be about motherhood, but it really is a beautiful way to connect with someone and allow someone to feel seen and heard. And as it's a heart opener. And that's where we all need to be, right? Just like a (laughs) backbend. That's it. Did you do one of them? Did you go to yoga today? I did not. Oh, I haven't been to yoga for about a week. Yeah. I need to so bad. It's coming up. Well, one day, one of these days. Okay, let's kick this off. Jenna, do you want to start with one of your troubles that you – that you faced in motherhood. And this can be earlier on in your career. This can be current day, wherever you want to go with this.
1: um, Okay. So this is sort of ongoing (laughs) from the beginning. And what I wrote down is 24 seven high alert slash PTSD. (laughs) Uh, And what I mean by that is like, first of all, like I know I had a natural birth. Amber had a natural birth and I'm not sure how hospital birth is. Maybe it's less traumatizing, like on the system. And not that I want to say traumatizing, but it's just a lot to happen to a person. (laughs) (laughs) Don't remind me, please. (laughs) After that happens, it's like um, you're a little bit trying to recover from that, but then you're just thrown into this high stress, high alert situation where you're like checking to see if the baby's breathing every, you know, two hours and you can't sleep ever again. (laughs) So it's like, that is a really tough transition. I also had a thing happen early on when Maisie was um, little, which was that she was taking a nap on my bed on Milo's third birthday and she rolled into a crevice and she couldn't breathe. And when I found her, she was blue. And luckily she's totally fine. But I have PTSD from that. Like even to this day, like I, will, it'll just pop into my mind and then I will start to like have a panic attack. Like all of the symptoms of like breathing heavily, feeling tightness around my chest, like feeling like I'm going down this drain of panic, like it will just all happen. And um, so- I remember speaking to you that day. That was so scary and- You took uh, it to the hospital, right? Yeah, we did. We went in the hospital um, in an ambulance. And um, ironically, the guy who was in the ambulance- He reminded me of my great grandfather who was a doctor, and I could really feel my great grandfather's spirit actually at that time because he was German. My great grandfather is German as well, a German doctor. And it was like, it was like, it's he had his, and I've never met my great grandfather, but I've seen pictures and I felt into his energy, and it's like, it felt like him. It was weird. So, I guess that's just to show that even in the moments of the hard, most hardcore trials, like we still have the support of spirit and of our ancestors and stuff. So we can call on that and they can support us even in those really hard times.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. Um, That must have been terrifying.
0: Yeah. I'm empathizing with you here.
1: But just like not, and that's one episode of PTSD, but also just like um, the high alert, like having to be on high alert or else something like that could
0: happen. That's one of my points. Yeah. Never being able to switch off. Yeah. Constantly. I I found that- when I became a mother, I just never slept the same again mm-hmm. because there's a part of my brain that is just constantly on peripheral vision. Yeah. Listening for something, making sure they're okay, just always on. Yeah. As you said, it's it's really it's hard to relax fully or be present fully when you're just constantly aware yes. of someone else and if they're okay and if they're warm enough, if they're hungry, if they're that's the list it. goes on. That is it
1: exactly. And even here when we're recording podcast. We have to have our our phones in close proximity because something could
0: happen to our kids somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? It's like constant. Mm. And so tell me about the silver lining. I don't know if you're silver. Well, you tell me about the silver lining. <laughs> to that? Yeah. Um. Okay. So that was one of my points, which mm-hmm. was also I, the transition into you being a solo entity in the world and you naturally making it about you and you're the main focus, which was great and fun and easy. And then the transition from that into a, um, non, um, voluntary space of, I mean, I I'm sure some mothers are more low key and relaxed, but with me, I really <laughs> felt completely connected in every way with this creature. And with that came this involuntary Uh, awakeness to them and their needs at every moment of every waking hour. So I also found that really hard to adapt to, as you said, it kind of, it's the gateway to this low grade or high grade anxiety (laughs) a lot of the time. And you can, for me, I could never really fully relax. Even when I go on a vacation with Kerry. And I know Valentine's fine. There's always just this little bit of me that is, I wonder if he's missing me. I wonder if he's being fed the right foods. I wonder if he's whatever, whatever. So the silver lining, Hmm. <laughs> let me look at my silver lining. Okay. Let me just really tap into this. Silver <laughs> is, I've got to, I'm letting go of my notes. The deep unexplainable connection to another being that, for me, I've never experienced to that capacity in any other way. Sure, I've had these incredibly deep romance loves, but the feeling of feeling so utterly connected energetically, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally to another being is so special. I, we, I feel like we are of the same flesh. And with that comes this understanding and this, I don't know, this feeling like you're it's a part of you out there in the world and, and nothing can compare to that. I also think that it is a huge opportunity to try train that monkey mind and to say, I will not be a victim of the panic of thinking into the future of what could happen and thinking into the past of what could happen. But unless I want to be ruled by anxiety my whole life, in this moment I have to choose to be present and to trust Mm -hmm. and to do whatever I can do to ensure that they're safe, they're fed, they're warm, whatever it may be. But then when that's out of my control, letting that go. And that is training of the mind and that is a conscious choice. And Mm -hmm. I think that for me if I didn't make that an exercise and a training, I would be stressed the whole time. Mm -hmm. But I do really try and make an effort to be like, he's at school he's safe. I'm going to see him at 3:30. I'm going to be here now and give all of my energy to this. So mm-hmm. it's really encouraged me to create more of a intentional system around my mind and mm-hmm. reining that in, which obviously is useful for every single area in your life. Whenever Absolutely. you get stressed out and not knowing and not being able to control something.
1: I completely agree. And just to even add to what you said, you know, because I have a baseline of anxiety as just as a person before I had kids and I actually have received a reduction of my anxiety since I had them. And part of the reason is, is because what we're talking about is so real, like the panic and like, if you go down that rabbit hole, it's just constant anxiety, you know? So I really realized that I had to, for my own survival, reel it in somehow once I had the kids. And for me, how that's really gone... um, gone well is like by replacing anxious thought loops with positive mantra and positive visualization such as like if i start to like freak out that my kid is not okay and my kid is not okay and it becomes an anxious thought loop down i instead will envision my child in a bubble of white light and i'll see him connected to the earth and i'll see him connected to the angels and i'll be like i'll feel into his space and i'll feel how 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 good he is in there you know and then i'll just command that space for him and that that has forced me to have these tools
0: and develop those tools, you know, of like a psychic protection. Mm-hmm. I also think that it's pretty normal in the early days when I first had Valentine. Of course, you're learning all about what's normal and what's not. And, and you're checking if they're breathing and all of that kind of stuff. I think that's very normal, but life starts to happen and creep in. And as, as all the other elements of life come into the agenda, I felt like naturally that focus and intensity started to dissipate a little bit. And they do get stronger as time goes on. You know, when they're first
1: born, it's like, you really do have to watch them all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing. So, for any mothers out there that relate to this element of just always being on and not being able to switch that off, just trust that, trust in life and trust in the phases and trust that there's a flow and that you can naturally come out of those intense phases. And also you can work on that by intentionally creating these mind systems. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a good point. Great. And so did you have a Uh, a triumph that you wanted to talk about? Uh, Yes, I
1: have. um, So my first triumph that I wrote down, I wrote down um, birthing the vision I always had. So what that was a triumph was is i i always thought from the time that i was little that i would have two children a girl and a boy <laughs> and that actually caused me anxiety because i wanted it so bad and i envisioned it so strongly and i just wanted it to manifest so badly when it did manifest that was a great triumph so just even their existence is a triumph in itself that was when do you first look one. at them do
0: you feel such a sense of Ease on a soul
1: level, like I did it. Yes, because it to me, and I think with parenthood in general, it's a soul contract. You know, people have soul contracts to bring children forward. And so we have that burning desire because, you know, parenthood ain't so glamorous. And if we didn't have that burning desire, we might not be parents. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So that carries us into procreation. And, um, Yes, I do. I feel like that is a job that I could check off my list of things I need to do. There's
0: a lot of other things on the list, so I got to get to those. You must have a sense of I've arrived. I did it. It's almost like there are not many things in life that gives you that sense of satisfaction where you actually reach the end goal that you were visualizing. The human mind has that has that potential to just constantly be chasing and never actually being satisfied with arriving. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's probably one of, I mean, is there anything else in your world that you can compare to fully arriving at like that? I mean, I, yes, I see totally
1: see your point. I guess, in spirit, my answer to that would be no. But it's like it's constantly evolving. It's like, have we fully arrived just by birthing them? No, we still got to do some more work and ha- have to t- usher them into like their greatest potential. So of course, it just never. But you ends. have
0: your family. At least I have. And them, within yeah. that context, sure, we're constantly growing, mm-hmm. learning, and changing, mm-hmm. stumbling, and getting back up. But that's established. Like your your context of life and family has been yeah. established.
1: Yes, that to me feels really good and like a triumph. Wow, well done. How about you or was it just your silver lining?
0: One of the initial troubles that was introduced to me by my own way of thinking in motherhood was dying to my maiden and birthing myself to being the mother. And that was a very confronting time in my life because up until I was a mother, as I said before, it'd been all about me. I think it's a very natural thing. And I was very, um, attached to the archetype of a maiden. So I really indulged in being spontaneous and traveling and being able to hop here and there and not being too attached to anyone or anything in particular and really loving the flow of life in that way. And so, when I became a mother, I was dealing with a few things because Valentine was a cute little surprise. It felt like it it was a bit bigger than the usual surprise in my life where I I wasn't anticipating it in any way, so I had to process things rather quickly. And so, yeah there was it was a bit of facing ego death and and saying goodbye to a chapter of my life and to the maiden and what I associated my identity with and really intentionally choosing to embrace motherhood and I found that the key to that was to reframe my definition of motherhood because part of the panic of transitioning into motherhood was re- was thinking that I had to take on the definition that my mother gave to me or that my friends gave to me or society gave to me but when I realized that I could reframe my definition of motherhood to be whatever I wanted to be I could invent it to be as you said fun an adventure sexy um my ultimate arena for self-growth. Once I got that, I was like, oh my gosh, I choose this. I love this. Yes, of course I'm signing up for this. And it also helps me really drop into a place of trusting the bigger picture, trusting a higher source of divine orchestration. And that led me to integrate that into all areas of my life, which really helps when you feel like there's something bigger on your side and everything is perfect. You can stop the struggle. Bless you. Sorry, I have a cough. Yeah, no worries. So that that was my first and major um, trial with motherhood. But as I said, that's the triumph on the other side where I got to let go of the things that weren't really serving me and were inhibiting me from fully stretching into my greatness around being of service, being stretching into things that, I thought I was limited and I just pushed beyond that way further than I thought I could go. I could hold more, do more, feel more, be more than I ever conceived because I had to. I had this creature that was calling me to a higher level of myself and that's great. What else is life about? For me, that's the ultimate game of life to see how how much I can refine my greatness in those virtues, in those spiritual virtues. Oh, little
1: guy. brought it all to you. He did. He did. It was a little pocket rocket over there. And it's great that you, um, step up to the challenge. Cause I think a lot of people maybe wouldn't, but you know, you did a great job of stepping up to that and, um, really seeing the value and stepping into that. So,
0: well, it's kind of like, I don't want to, you know, I think a lot of People tend to fall into this place of victim, which translates as I don't have a choice. It's happening to me. And I initially went into that space, but then when... I chose it. I felt this empowerment. It was my choice. Even though I didn't intentionally choose to become pregnant, there was clearly something else that was driving the show that needed to happen and I could so psychologically contract. choose it once it was happening. And then it eradicated the idea of being a victim and that really just helped in every single way. Um, so, Jenna, do you have another trouble. Okay. Yes, I do. So my next
1: trouble is called food. (laughs) And why this is a trouble for me is because, um, you know, like Amber and I are all about food as medicine and we're very, you know, we research a lot into that. So we have a lot of information about how food affects our bodies and armed with that information. It's a little hard to watch your kid want to eat mac and cheese all the time or like pizza or bread and butter or things that are not, um you know superfoods and so that has been a real big um ego death in a way for me of just you know kind of going with the the flow but also being really creative and trying to like get those superfoods in there um also yeah just with friends and family and and what they feed the kids it's it's been an issue it's
0: definitely been an issue yeah well speaking of medicine this could be the perfect time to introduce this episode's sponsor because they are all about medicine. Unfortunately, we live in a toxic world and draw most of our toxicity through our skin, our largest organ. And that is why we are so excited to be partnering
1: with Beauty Counter to present you with an opportunity to support our podcast while buying the
0: greatest non-toxic makeup in the world. They offer all types of skincare products and even a men's line. Beauty Counter is starting a movement to educate the makeup industry on what the highest standards in clean beauty really means. I mean, this is really one of the only brands of makeup that I would ever consider wearing, and they
1: really have timeless colors and finishes that
0: are so pro. And truth be told, Jetta and I both have beauty counters slapped all over our faces right now. You can support this podcast by going to our website, themotherlovingfuture.com, clicking on the shop tab, and then selecting the link to beauty counter to stock up on your stash of medicine makeup. And just getting back to your point yeah. Jenna I think majority of parents are dealing with that <laughs> issue I know that it was such a shock coming from myself who is very aware of health and very into food as medicine and every single little detail of my diet is serving my health. I get very, very triggered by my husband or friends or people I love or anyone around me just mindfully putting poison into their, sorry, mindlessly putting poison into their body. It's a huge trigger and it's been the base of massive arguments between Carrie and I. He'll go home allergic to gluten, crack open a beer and uh, sorry, allergic to wheat. And I'll, I'm saying, why are you drinking that when you know you're going to end up with a stuffy nose and mucusy? Like, why choose that? Why not have wine, something that will alleviate those type of reactions and heal your body and have a better quality of life? Tequila, <laughs> tequila. <laughs> um, but it's the same with kids. When Valentine came out, I think it's connected to his sensory processing. Um, I don't want to say issues, but um sensory processing elements that he experiences. He's kind of cautious around food mm-hmm. and especially around new food and textures and flavors. And colors and same colors. Same as Milo, he's so sensitive. The whole thing. And so <coughs> I would never have guessed in a million years that I had a kid who refused to eat anything green, who only wanted carbs whose favorite thing would be pizza and, and pasta, which is I think most kids go through that. I'd really be fascinated to know what their internal wisdom is really asking because for. Because
1: there could be internal wisdom to it. That's kind of where I ended. They I want was energy.
0: Like, and the quickest
1: energy is in carbohydrates. And they need to grow. They need different maybe types of energy than someone who's full
0: grown. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It is interesting separating yourself from your child mm-hmm. in that way, mm-hmm. knowing that that's not Health, the health that the healthiest choice when your intrinsic wisdom is wanting to protect them. I know it's so hard. It's really challenging.
1: Yeah. It's a trouble. It's one of my major troubles.
0: Yeah. I just do as as you. I just do everything in my power to just not give him unhealthy options ever. If he wants mac and cheese, I will find the gluten free, organic, organic grass fed, grass fed option with ghee in there and almond milk instead of cow's milk or whatever it may be. And if he wants pasta as well, it'll be with only if he has vegetables on the side, can he have the pasta and then the pasta will be Mm gluten-free with coconut oil and medicinal salt, X, Y, Z. So there's always healthy options of Mm -hmm. the unhealthy thing that they're after. Totally. I agree with that. And it, Maybe the silver lining is that it forces you to be creative.
1: There we go, and make delicious stuff that also is healthy.
0: Also, <laughs> I think the silver lining of that is accepting a sense of separateness, where they are their own being with their own journey, and that you're here to protect them and and guide them, but they have their own mm-hmm. internal wisdom and in their own way, and you have to let them experience life to their own do, you know, own own intelligence to a degree.
1: I agree. And I think that's really helpful. I, I just really respect my kids as individuals and I, and, and, um, respect their internal wisdom. And sometimes that's challenging and confronting because it's not the same as mine, but I still give them that space. And I'm, I'm hoping that me doing this hard work now, is going to help me in the teenage years when I'm like, not like trying to control
0: everything they do, you know? Well, you know, what I found is that I explained to Valentine why this is a better option. Mm-hmm. And so what it starts to do is introduce options to him and educate him on food as medicine. Mm-hmm. So he ends up making healthy choices for himself. Absolutely. And to that point, it is
1: so true that they do internalize it by like age five because mm-hmm. Milo is running around the playground, going up to random people, being like, Is there sugar in that? Sugar is bad for your body. <laughs> and it's cute. You know, he really knows like what is good and what is bad. And he wants to make good choices. He wants to eat rainbow salad. He wants to eat lentils
0: now. So he's coming around. Mm-hmm. Just took five years. <laughs> <laughs> Valentine goes into a restaurant he'll say we'll look at the menu and he'll look at the waiter and he'll say is this organic (laughs) and the waiter will be like uh I'm like is it organic (laughs) Uh (laughs) because if it's not (laughs) we're out here (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah he's definitely understanding the concept and applying it in his own way which I think is the ultimate gift we can give to our kids making the the smart choice for themselves Mm -hmm. so what about your triumph what's your next big triumph in motherhood my
1: next triumph is um, I, I, I said like watching them sing and dance. And it has to do with something I talked to Amber about and my friend Ina about yesterday. And this a concept of it takes seven generations to make an artist and how I never really felt fully free to express myself. And for, to see them expressing themselves and to have, I might cry because this is so important to me, but to have them have the space where they can do that without being judged or feeling like they shouldn't or feeling
0: like quieted, that really brings me joy. Oh, she's crying guys. (laughs) She's got tears of of joy. That's so sweet. It's a healing for you. Isn't that fascinating about motherhood? When you allow them to be free and authentically themselves in a safe space, it heals that child within you that never got to do that. That's such a blessing about motherhood, and in that, it almost heals something between you and your mother, and maybe between her and her mother. <laughs> She's like, "Oh God, please!" Let <laughs> like, be I'm so. like, eh. <laughs> um,
1: "Yeah, but 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 hopefully, hopefully, yeah." That's beautiful. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Cute. I, I bet they're busting out some pretty epic moves as well, those two. Oh, my God. It's
1: so good. Like them <laughs> singing and Milo could like play chords on the piano and Maisie loves dancing. It just makes me so happy.
0: Mm-hmm. Cuties. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what about you? What are, what are we on?
0: Well, Triumph? I've got a, a a trial here, a trouble. Not having enough time for myself. That is a massive stressor for me.
1: But you also take on a lot.
0: A A lot lot beyond parenthood. It's true. And I have to keep reminding myself that I choose my life and (laughs) I'm co-creating with the universe to what I bring into my life and that I'm responsible for creating this whirlwind of never ending tsunami chaos that I'm constantly dealing with. And you're right. I have to take responsibility for that, but it's so easy to fall into uh, like I don't have control. I I have to renovate my house. Like I have to work on that. I have to educate myself on parenting things and I have to do this podcast. This is part of my life mission. I'm called, like, of course we get to choose it all in the end and I really just could be, you know, have one ball in the air instead of ten. But you're right, I choose it. But at the same time, I've never in my life – had been so stretched for time for myself than since I became a mother. I think that's true for every mom. Yeah. So and that was hard universal. for me. Some people don't mind it because they quite enjoy care-taking. the distraction or caretaking yeah. or they love the, the archetype of the mother right. of just, and they're completely satisfied. I fall more on that category.
1: I don't care too much about myself and yeah. nor did I before. I was more identifying with the archetype of the mother than
0: the maiden when I was a maiden. Yeah, see, we're the opposite. So like we're that. the opposite that way. Yeah, and that's probably connected to my maiden to mother struggle, ego death as well. That comes with having to completely <laughs> put that um, aside to a degree. But I really do try carve out a little bit of time for myself each week. Haven't done it in the past couple of months because. Few more balls have been added to the air recently. I mean, this
1: girl has no time. It is freaking
0: crazy the amount that you do, but it's so it's okay. I have my mother encouraged me to read that book, um, "The Syndrome of the Rushing Woman" or oh, no, something like that. Have you heard of that book? No. It's 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 kind of analyzing the the disorder of being a multitasker and a rushing woman, and it's some psychological. Um, archetype that people are connected to and need to attach themselves to in order to feel like they're doing something with their life Mm -hmm. or that they're making progress and they're Mm -hmm. productive and they connect that to their value. And that's why they Mm -hmm. constantly keep rushing and doing a million things. And obviously there's an element of distraction in there. Mm -hmm. And so I think to myself, why have I created this insane schedule and what am I trying to distract myself from? And when I really make the space um, to look at what's important, of course it's my my motherhood career and it's my family and it's that sense of balance and peace within my own self. So, but it's hard carving out that time for oneself. But Mm -hmm. the silver lining to that is that, I'm not a systems person. I'm not a very um, organized person in the way where my life is very structured. I'm more spontaneous and in the flow. So it has forced me to to carve out time for myself, which is the I have to make that happen as a remedy to never feeling like I have enough time for myself my whole life going out of balance. The remedy to that has been, and the silver lining and triumph has been, I have learned how to create systems (coughs) and I've learned how to create structures in my life, which gives me more freedom in my time schedule and has been, and I've been able to approach my weeks and my days and my every moments in a, in more of a linear way, which grants me more freedom. And then that, then I have no excuses for not scheduling in an hours yoga class or once a week massage or whatever it may be, unless you're renovating a house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and every spare second is organizing contractors and products and designers and renovations and all that stuff, but not going not gonna to let that consume me in this moment. Do you know, as you're speaking,
1: I see this vision and it's um, like the eye of the storm. Do you know like how there's an eye in the middle of the storm? And it's kind of like, I feel like you need to find that, that even when this raging storm is all around you, that you always have this, like the center that no matter what is going on, like you're able to come back and be like, okay, like, yes, all this is going on, but
0: you know, like mm-hmm. it's okay. Like I'm just going to be centered and be here. I try to do that in bits in, in kind of rituals during the day. I will sprinkle intentional times during the day, which brings me back to that eye of the storm. So I have certain rules where in the morning, I am not trying to do anything else. I wake up early, so I have at least half an hour to be with Valentine. Like this morning, we woke up half an hour early to get into his Legos and put something together with this new Lego set he's obsessed with. And then once that half an hour was up, it's brushing teeth, it's breakfast, it's getting dressed, it's getting off to school, but I designate that time before the rush to just be with him. And that starts off my day in the heart, present with him and setting the tone of what's most important. And then in the afternoon, we will have dinner time together, which is another intentional ritual where there's no phones on the table. Everyone, we do a little gratitude circle and we say what we're each grateful for. We talk about our days and we also do it in the bath. And then we have the weekends. Mm -hmm. So I try to keep those my top priority, they have to happen every day and on the weekends. And that helps curb the feeling of imbalance around not having enough time for myself and not being intentional with the things that matter most. And
1: you know, you are organized in a way. Like I feel like even just your, your diary, like you have everything scheduled and that is a good system that you got, you know? So it's not
0: like, but I had to learn that. Yeah, but I'm just affirming like you got some systems. Thanks, babe. And, and it's good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so what about you? We're on to our third or fourth trouble. Um yeah, last one. Last one.
1: Mhm. Okay, so my next trouble is family.
0: Just oh, no. what kind of family? Um extended family. Extended family. Uh-huh.
1: And just uh you know, once again, like I I live in an – Shifted paradigm. I want to raise my family in a shifted paradigm. I don't want to like raise my my children in the old paradigm. And um, it's hard when your extended family, like grandparents, uncles, whatever, aunts, are um, still living in the old paradigm, still presenting foods, ideas, energetic patterns, manipulations, unhealed family lineages, uh, all up in your children's face. You know, like that's really hard to swallow, and that's uh, has been a trouble for me. Mm. Yeah. And, um, I think where I could, I could say the silver lining has come in is that it's really caused me because I'm also like one to not want to upset people, you know? So I'm also one who just like, I, I don't speak my voice. That's why I'm coughing today actually is because my, my voice is releasing because I have so many years of not speaking because I just don't want to upset people. But like, I'm really moving into holding my ground And having the children be so precious to me, that's giving me a real um, imperative to hold my ground. And so I guess that would be the
0: silver lining. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Very smart of you to have that intentional thought to bounce back to. Mm. Really good. Thanks. How about you? Hmm. Last one. Yeah, last one. I mean, I got a couple more up my sleeve, but I'm going to try to keep it tight. A thing, a thought in the back of my mind that dominates me quite a bit and it gets me into a negative thought loop is around trusting the world. And never before, only when I became a mother, I. I came to the realization that the world can be a pretty scary place. I was quite fearless before that and just kind of in the moment and whatever happens, I'll be fine. And I was I like, fuck this place. <laughs> no, I, I never really had that attitude with the world. I was very trusting <coughs> and I never really thought about what could happen and what's really going on in the world. And so when and I you became still don't a mother, door, so please, please start. Now everyone, <laughs> don't tell everyone Now No, everyone knows. You have to. So great. <laughs> um, And when I became a mother, because my heart was then living outside of myself, it dawned on me that he's entering into this world that – is in massive duality with the light and the dark and that there's child traffic, sex, slave labor going on Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. There are pedophiles that get that position themselves in places of education at the park, the pediatrician. There's so much going on out there that could potentially cross our path that I can't, I can't forget that that's, a reality and that Mm -hmm. that's out there Mm -hmm. and it it kind of tainted my view on the world a little bit but the silver lining of that was that it lit a fire under my butt to create this podcast with you Mm. I remember in our early motherhood days we would meet up with the boys they were just born they were little babies and we would cover all of these ideas on what world are they inheriting and how can we contribute to a better world where people aren't as effed up, people aren't as broken and we're not living broken systems and we're not living in heartbroken paradigms. Absolutely. What do we need to do to contribute to the evolution towards health and peace and safety for our kids in the environment? All creatures, in- all living things on this planet. That's right. And so that's where MLF was born. We kind of came to the conclusion that it's about the parents and the adults who are running this world. If they get a deeper insight into their true purpose and their true selves and their true potential and connection to the earth and connection to each other and connection to spirit, they're less likely to want to destroy those things or disregard those things. And then that will make for a safer world for our children and also we're educating our children that way and they're going to be our future leaders which are going to create the systems which will hopefully promote the new world absolutely raising revolutionaries
1: that's what the mother loving future is all about
0: yeah baby we're we're trying that's all we can do so that's my that's my silver lining that's a good one good one to end on right yeah Okay, well, do you have an invitation for all the mamas, the non-mamas, the dads, everyone out there who is listening to this podcast and being part of this conversation? Thank you, by the way, for taking 45 minutes out of your day to be part of this conversation with us. We really, really appreciate you and feel that and hope that you get as much out of these conversations that we do. Yes,
1: so um, our invitation for our listeners today is to hold space for acknowledgement, whether that be for a mother in your life, for someone who isn't a mother, your father, yourself, um, in just holding space for acknowledging the trials and tribulations that you're going through and realization that this is the greatest, this is our lives. And these, these peaks and valleys, they're creating the highs and lows of our lifetimes. And to just, um, have respect for that and take a moment of witnessing and acknowledging that. Beautiful.
0: Excellent. Good invitation. Everyone, we would so appreciate your support in continuing the mother-loving future towards a future that we all want to see Yes, by spreading the love, share this episode, leave us a review. We are a community and cannot create a consciousness revolution without you. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we can't wait to have you with us next week. Have an awesome week. Bye for now.